example, to hear the adversity that he is facing in his life um, and the, the trials that he's facing and, and trying to understand uh, what God has put on him and what God's will is within those things. Uh, Micah starts off the video and he tells us, he says, I wrote this song different many years ago, but I feel like the Lord is teaching it to me in a new way today. It's pretty remarkable how music travels, how we hear a song at 15 and it has a meaning to us then, and then we hear a song at 30 and it has another meaning to us. Or there's some songs that you listen to at 15 that you would never dare listen to again at your age now. For those of you that grew up in the 70s in the disco era, you are the ones I'm speaking of. <laughs> I'm a Bee Gees fan, but not that much. But one of the blessings and opportunities that I've had in my life is the ability to be a musician. Uh, now, it feels like this day everyone's a musician in some facet. They've made it pretty easy to achieve it. Uh, it wasn't quite as easy when I started, but it was easier than back in the day. Uh, but... I've also had the opportunity to be able to write songs and write songs with other people. And I've had the options to do some, some pretty cool things. And in my life, I've written somewhere in the nature to 400 to 500 songs. Only about four or five of them are worth listening to, so one for every hundred. But still, it's pretty good, right? Pretty good, right? If I keep going, maybe I'll have ten, I can make a CD. But a few years ago... Uh, me and some of my friends decided to take a few of those songs that I had written and put them on a CD. And my future father-in-law and my future wife gave this to me. I'm not sure why, but it's pretty cool. It's got our band name and the date that the CD was released. Uh, it's got the lyrics of all the songs and the band members and the people that helped us out, you know, doing the music. It's all there if I ever just want to look back on it. Uh, people often ask me, they say, do you have a copy of your CD? Yes, I do, but I don't think it would play very well because it's glued to the inside of a picture frame. Uh, maybe they thought that we were going to go gold, so they gave me this so I could hang it next to my gold record. But uh, gold means that you sold a half a million in sales, and we sold about 300, so this is coal. This is our coal record. And uh, we're very excited uh, about that. But uh, I actually did get a gold record, but it was an Elvis song. So... Um, this is Don't Be Cruel. Uh, it's uh, number 23 of 5,000 that were made. So uh, if you're an Elvis fan and you need something in your house, uh, talk to me after the service because this needs a new home. Uh, so uh, actually, that's a real funny story. I went to Nashville, and they had this little booth set up outside the Opry House, and I threw my name in the bucket, and a couple months later, somebody called me and said, hey, uh, my name is so-and-so, and I'm with WSM 650, and I said, cool, uh, what can I help you with, I guess, I didn't think it was real, they said, uh, well, you entered a competition, we just want to let you know that you're the grand prize winner, and we're going to be sending you a copy of uh, uh, Elvis's Don't Be Cruel Golden you know, Record, and I was like, this is not real, well, three days later, it was in my doorstep, so um, it's a pretty unique uh, thing. But one of the remarkable aspects of writing songs and, and, and being an artist is that you can go back and look at your life at different points. And one of the very remarkable aspects of me is that I always decided that I wanted to write Christian music. So I can go back and listen to songs that I wrote at different points in my life and figure out what God was doing with me at that point in my life. Well, very recently I was riding around in my truck and I was listening to the songs that are on that CD for the first time in a long time. 
I really listened to them. And uh, I began to hear these lyrics. I apologize for stepping back again. I began to hear these lyrics. And uh, I can't remember them today, and I couldn't remember them then. But apparently at some time I wrote these. Um, but I heard these words. I said, I lost myself somewhere between losing hope and finding despair. And tell me God is somewhere out there. You fell to your knees for my failures. Your anguish gave my hope breath and breathed life into me. And no one can take that away. Because the hope that bleeds from my Savior's hands is reaching out for you. And the love that screams from these pages that I'm nothing without you. I was sitting in there and I became very envious of my 19-year-old self. It wasn't that I played music. It wasn't that I wrote songs. It wasn't that I recorded a CD. It was my unshakable faith that I could write something so profound. And as I'm sitting in the vehicle that day, it feels as though God is sharing those words with me for the very first time. That I could write something that in the deepest, darkest moments of despair, of understanding my lost nature, that I could believe that the hope that was bleeding from my Savior's hands is in, in fact, reaching out for me. The fact that I could believe that in the midst of my despair that I found myself lost in that. But yet Jesus himself fell to his knees for my failures. That the anguish that he felt in the moments when I was of, of his life, later on in the moments when I was knit together in my mother's womb, the same hope that he gave the world was breathed into my nostrils and gave life to me. And I could not imagine at 31 writing those lyrics. I couldn't believe that this person that I was hearing. It wasn't that my dreams didn't come true. It, it wasn't that my passions didn't turn out. It, wasn't that, it isn't that I'm unhappy in life. It's almost that I think Peter Pan got it right. I didn't want to grow up. And there's parts of growing up that are not fun. I began to think on that song and I thought to myself, man, I used to be bold and courageous. I used to speak out to people no matter what I thought they believed. I would share with them intently and now I, I just kind of come to places. Man, I used to write two to three songs a month about my walk with Jesus and now I'm good to write a song a year. I'm not creative anymore. I used to think that I thought that hope and love were all we needed to conquer the evils of this world and that me, a singular person, could really make a change and difference. And now I'm just kind of content. I used to be spontaneous, but now I'm just in a routine. I used to chase God with reckless abandon in hopes that I might reach one person for his cause. Now I'm just kind of here, existing. And I think when we grow old, we become cynical. We become negative. We become tainted by the world. We don't hope or believe the way that children do. We become to accept that the things that are will be and will always be that way. We think that change means different and we don't like that. Because we become comfortable with our success or complacent with the lack thereof. We grow up and we grow out of our courageous and bold nature because we feel like safety is more important. But the simple thing is, is what is different in me today? 
than when I was 19. The difference is, is that I'm not different. And I'm not constantly changing. That's the difference. Because almost every day of my life, I wish I was a better father. And almost every day of my life, I wish I was a better husband. Almost every day of my life, I wish I was a better youth pastor. Almost every day of my life, I wish I could run away from the bondage of sin. And almost every day of my life, I wish I could love Jesus the way I loved him when I first fell in love with him. But what's different? I started asking God to change the things around me and to stop changing me. Because when I first accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I asked him to come into my heart to change me, to make me different, to create in me anew. I asked him to come within me. But as I grew older, I said, God, can you just change these things around me? When you do that, you begin to conform. But Jesus is in the transforming and renewing business and the constant changing business. When I hear this label, I often think it's not something that we want to be called. It's not something that we want to be. But it is a good excuse for people who don't want to come to church. Everyone in church is a hypocrite. What hypocrite means by definition is the practice of claiming moral beliefs or standards and one's behavior not conforming to it. In essence, saying one thing and doing another. Now, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like that label fits me most days of the week. I feel like there are tons of things in my life that I know are right, but I don't do them. I feel like there are tons of things in the world that are wrong, but yet I still do them. I question whether it's a sin, whether asking, does it keep me from Christ? And as I began this journey of wondering what is different between Tyler at 31 and what is different between Tyler at 19, I began to realize something. That when I was 19 years old and I was writing this song to hope to impact these hundreds of people that I might come in contact with, God was there with me in that moment writing that song knowing that 12 years later He would use the same lyrics that I put to pen and, that used pen and paper to change my life. Because God is in the renewing, transforming, and changing business not the conforming business. So I asked myself this question, who am I right now in life? What about me is different? What about me is continually changing? And I ask you this morning to ask yourself that same question. What about you is different than when you were known as an unbeliever? What about you has changed from your past since you became a follower of Christ. In the book of Ephesians, if you will turn there with me in chapter 4, verse 21. I'm going to go ahead and start, and you guys can get there, and if not, you can just hear me. It says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed by the spirit of your minds and to put the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with someone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as it fits for the occasion. And it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. So when we begin to look at the characteristics that God has pointed out to us in the book of Ephesians in just the very beginning, and if you continue on into Ephesians chapter 6, we begin to hear about what it means to put on the armor of God on a daily basis, and we hear this out, and we look at those that we label as lost, and we look at those that we call hypocrites, and we look at those that we see are unfollowers, unbelievers, and if the characteristics of Christ do not line up with who you are, then I ask you today to wonder if the difference and change that you're longing to make should begin within yourself first. Because if you smell and look and seem like the world, then you might just be part of the world. Because the difference is to be set apart, to be Christ-like, means that you are different, that you are changed. I ask you this morning, may you never become so self-involved that you feel as though you can't fall to your knees to pray in front of others. I ask you this morning to never become so self-righteous to the point that you believe that the altar is below you. I ask you to never be concerned with your thoughts to the point that you think that sharing your struggles and sins and feelings about God amongst other believers should ever hinder you from coming to the altar, should ever hinder you from openly asking for prayer. Because I ask you this morning to bury the thoughts of what other people think of you. Because in the end, it matters not what people thought of you, but what Jesus knew of you. And being in line with him is the most important thing. Because you're either actively killing sin, or sin is actively killing you. And I tell you that same facet in the same way. I'm going to say the same thing. It matters not what people knew of you, but what Jesus knew of you or what people thought of you. Because if you come here in this church and we've all been known to do it, kind of put on a good face, put on a good show, and we do it out in front of other people, but yet our hearts and our minds and our souls and our spirits tell a different story, then it matters not what people thought of you, but what Jesus knew of you. If you will, turn to the book of Romans with me real quick. Chapter 7, verse 21. And it says, I find it principle that, the, principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me prisoner to the law of sin which is in my members. Wretched man I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then on one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Paul wrote these words basically saying, I consider it to be certain that even though in my heart of hearts I desire to do good, that evil is present there with me. And while I know in my mind, in my spirit, the law of God is to do good, but yet I sit here and the members of my body choose to do something evil. 
And he's basically saying, wretched man I am. He's sharing with us this inner struggle. Why? Because Paul is human. Because Moses was human. Because David was human. human. Because Noah and Abraham and Adam and Eve were all human beings. You, me, we, at best, are imperfect people in an imperfect world trying to do something close to perfect. Now, I'm not trying to sit up here on this stage today and justify your sin because to love Christ, you must despise sin because you must understand that sin is what separates us from Christ and to be a Christian means that you are a follower of the Christ and it's hard to follow someone that you're separated from. But I am on the stage today telling you that Mark Hall once said that the world doesn't hate Christians because they sin. The world hates Christians because they pretend that they don't. We must understand that it is through our weakness that I stand on this stage today and I tell you that many days I don't know the difference between me and a hypocrite. I stand on this stage today and I tell you that many days I don't feel very Christ-like. I stand on this stage today and I tell you that many days I actively sin. But it's through the fact that I understand that Tyler Marsh is an imperfect being. And it's through my weakness that I understand the words that J.D. Greer taught. That when we see our weakness, we understand our weakness is advantage. Because we were never designed to conquer it alone. When we understand that we are weak and in those facets God is essentially strong, then we understand that we must lean upon Christ. And leaning upon Christ creates dependence in Christ. And dependence upon Christ makes us realize the essential need for Jesus Christ in our life. When we come to the point of realization that Jesus is essential to us, is the air that is entering and exiting our lungs, we understand the desire and need to be different, to be set apart, and to be changed and changing. We also understand the difference that when people see us, what should be shown through us is the light of men. The purpose of Jesus. 75% of youth who grew up in churches, three out of four kids, by the age of 22, will not just leave their home church. They won't just leave church in general. They will actively and openly admit that they do not believe that God exists. 75%. You can check me on Google on your way home. This is not a direct reflection on God. Although we often sit back and say, why hasn't God done something? Why won't God just step up and prove himself to these people? Well, God is still doing today what he did in Genesis. He is creating beings that he loves more than anything, and yet he does not force himself upon those people because he loves them that much. He gives them the ability to choose them, and by creating those people, he creates those people to fulfill his will. So that, my friends, if you are a believer, you believe that God exists, that he cares, and that he is actively present in our lives. So the fact is, it's a direct reflection on the hands and feet of Christ. And that is, my friends, us. Because if we are the body of Christ, as Casting Crown says, then why aren't his feet going? Why aren't his hands moving? Because people are looking for evidence of Christ and they're looking for people who follow him without evidence. What do I see different in them? What change can I find in them? What in them can change me? And that's it. 
The people of the world are seeking out people who follow God without evidence, who just follow him based on faith. But what is different? What is changing about them? People are people, and they're always going to be. Jerry, you can show these slides real quick. People are prone to sin. They're prone to fail. They're prone to weakness. They're, they're going to they're gonna fall by the side. It's just what we do. It, we are, as I said, imperfect people in an imperfect world trying to do something close to perfect. And uh, you can slide on to the next one, uh, Jerry. So this is, this is Tim Tebow. A lot of you know him. He's a pretty cool guy. Uh, he's openly professed that he's a believer in Jesus Christ. Go on to the next slide, uh, uh, Jerry. Uh, this is Justin Bieber. Some of you don't know him. He's a teen heartthrob, uh, but uh, he's a musician. But him himself has actively uh, proclaimed that he is a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, move on to the next one, Jerry. Uh, this is Chris Tomlin. Many of the songs that Philip picks out for us to sing are written by Chris Tomlin, or he was in the room when they were written. Uh, keep going. Uh, Jerry, uh, this is Cam Newton, big time uh, superstar, Auburn fo uh, college football player, Panthers. He has actively proclaimed that he is a believer in Jesus Christ. Keep going. Uh, this is Stephen Curry, big time NBA superstar. You know, once again, actively uh, shares that he is a believer in Jesus Christ. One more slide, Jerry. All right, and this is Tyler Marsh, actively proclaims that he's a believer in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, everybody that I showed you on this screen at some point will not meet your expectations. At some point in your life, they're going to do something or say something that will let you down. At some point, they're going to do something that's not perfect because they are imperfect. At some point in their life, they're going to sin because it's in their nature. At some point in their life, they're going to just lose it. And everybody's going to see their weaknesses because we enjoy revealing other people's weaknesses. But don't think that sin caught God by surprise. God knew that we were imperfect and we needed a perfect person. God knew that we were prone to fail, so we needed someone who wouldn't fail. Don't think that, that our sin has somehow snuck up on God. God knew that we would let one another down, so we needed someone who would never let anyone down. God knew that at times we would question the message, so we needed someone who would live a tempted but blameless life. God knew that our sin would hold us bondage, but he needed someone to hold the key. One more slide. And this is that someone. Jesus answered, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. No one. Because someone had to be perfect. Someone had to not fail. Someone had to not let others down. Someone had to not sin. And someone had to pay that price. And it comes down to this. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Do you understand that it's essential? And are you going to allow it to change you? Now before you answer that question internally, I want to share with you something that I've shared with you before. Charlie Priest was a prisoner convicted by his peers in the Church of England to die by execution for the sins that he had committed upon this earth. 
as he was walking the mile to his execution, the chaplain comes up with his Bible and begins to share scripture with Charlie Peace. And he just very routinely shares with him, Charlie, you know, come on, man, if you don't accept today that, you know, you're sinned and you've done some bad things, you know, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. That's going to be it. You're going to spend eternity there. He just very routinely just opened the Bible and just said it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then Charlie Peace, a convicted criminal of heinous crimes, turns to the chaplain of the Church of England and says, Sir, if I believed what you in the Church of England say you believe, I would walk, if even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, if need be, on hands and knees to save one soul from this eternity that you speak of. So the question I ask you this morning is, do you believe it? Do you believe that it's essential? And are you going to allow it to change you? Because even if this church were covered for, with broken glass from side to side, would you walk to the back to save one person from the eternity that we claim and speak of? Do you believe it? And that's what it all comes down to. Tonight, you're going to have a remarkable opportunity. The clock's going to say 11.59. 60 seconds later, it's going to be a brand new year. Not really, but we think it is. But here's the essence. The clock hits 11.59 every day of the year. And it counts down 60 seconds every day of the year. Change doesn't happen when time changes. Change happens when you change. I'm going to do something different this morning. Philip's going to sing Silent Night. And I understand that that's a Christmas hymn for us. But as I told you earlier, don't become so self-righteous that you feel the altar is below you. Don't think that it's, it's just for those accepting Christ. But if you have anything on your heart this morning, if you're questioning whether you believe it, if you're questioning whether you change, whether you're different, whether you're set apart, if you're questioning anything, or you just need simple prayer, don't be afraid of the thoughts of others to walk up here and kneel down because this altar this morning is just for you. Okay? I want you to understand that it's okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to come forward, but I'm basically just telling you, step outside, be different, be changed, be the light. One last thing. Do you believe that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything was made that was made. In this life, the light of in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And do you believe that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it? Do you believe it? Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity once again that you've given us. I thank you for the message through your word, through the Apostle Paul, and through John. I thank you so much for the, the ability to question ourselves and the steps and stepping stones that we've taken in our faith. I pray, God, if even one person in this place today has that thought process on their mind, God, I pray they come forward and just make it right with you today. Not, not, because, not because of any particular reason, but more just importantly that, God, we are to reach those for you, God. And that we can extend your kingdom and so that your will can be fulfilled through those that desire to shine the light into the darkness of this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.